Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. And I'm kind of glad you're joining me today. (laughs) I'm kind of not glad you're joining me today. I have been telling you guys, promising you that I would do this episode for a long time, but I'm not like crazy excited about it. I'm a little bit nervous about it. I intentionally keep my relationships out of the podcast because, as I explained in the last show, this is not the Elizabeth Benton show. I don't think that would help you reach your goals. I'm not going to get into my thoughts on that today. I did talk about that in episode 371. If you want to know more about what I mean there, the reason that I'm doing this episode is because I, for years, really since the start of Primal Potential, I've gotten tons of emails with questions about how to achieve your goals when somebody you're with has different goals, right? I got those questions when I was married and really in like the deep work of fat loss. And I've gotten even more of those questions since I got divorced and even more since I said that I was dating. So today we're talking about fat loss and dating, but really more broadly, eating in a way that is different from the person that you are with and even if you are not eating differently from the person that you're with, how to kind of strike this balance that we often need to find when we're in a newer relationship and there's maybe more socializing, there's more going out, there's more uh, drinking, there's more indulging, maybe there's more travel, things like that, because it can be tough. It can be tough. I will say, no matter who around you is eating what or how much or when, You are always 100% in control of what you put in your mouth, how much you put in your mouth, and when you put it there. And I say that because I didn't always think that way. I used to tell this story about how it was so hard because my my now ex-husband, you know, could eat more liberally than I could and not have it impact his weight. And he wasn't as concerned about his weight. And he was always, you know, suggesting we go out and do this or bringing home Taco Bell or whatever it was, whoever it was. He certainly wasn't the only people, the only person that I that I said that about. But I felt like I was a victim of the people around me and that my strength was contingent on the choices of those around me. And that was a limiting belief. It wasn't real. It wasn't true. But it's what I told myself and how I behaved. So I'll say it again because I understand that that can be a new perspective for a lot of people. No matter who around you is eating what or how much or when, you are 100% in control of what you put in your mouth, how much you put in your mouth, and when you put it there. And I honestly believe that it is a huge advantage 
to have people in your life who eat differently than how you want to eat because that's real life. And it's a skill we need to develop if we want to be successful in achieving and maintaining our goals over the long term. When I was 350 plus pounds, I used to say that I wish I could go on The Biggest Loser, right? That television show, God Save Us. Thank God that didn't happen in my life. Um, And it's not a criticism of the show. It's a criticism of the circumstances of the show. It's not real to be in a situation where you have no job and you have no temptation. And the only temptations are these sort of fake situations where they lock you in a room with a bunch of cupcakes, right? That's not real life. And I used to wish for that. I wished to be a bubble boy kind of scenario where everything around me was free from temptation and that would make it easy. But it really wouldn't make it easy. It would make it damn hard in the long run because that's not real life. So I do believe very strongly that it is an advantage to have people in your life who eat differently because you will need that skill set. The ability to not be influenced by the choices of those around you if you want to be successful over the long term. If we look at people who have achieved a certain body composition, who have made significant changes in their life and who have sustained them, they can't do that without finding their own way and being able to make choices that are aligned with their goals even when people around them are not. So when you live with someone or spend a lot of time with someone or work in an environment where there's always temptation and people around you are eating things that are not aligned with your goals, you have a huge advantage because you have more opportunities to practice, right? We don't live in bubbles. For the rest of our lives, people will be eating and drinking and indulging around us at work and in social situations and often at home. And it presents a huge opportunity for us to become resilient, for us to develop that necessary skill we're going to need for the rest of our lives. And too often we are confined by artificial boundaries we have created by our own beliefs. When we say, oh my gosh, my social scene makes it impossible because all my friends are just those people who can eat whatever they want and never put on a pound, that has nothing to do with you. That has nothing to do with your strength and your ability to make choices. Or people will say, my spouse has dessert every dinner, every night after dinner, so I can't seem to kick my sugar habit. Yeah, you can, because what your spouse puts in their mouth has nothing to do with what you put into yours. It's just a chosen perspective, right? The alternative perspective that you could create is, I am a temptation superhero because I face these situations every day at home. So I have tons of opportunity to practice, right, more than the average Joe who lives alone or has a totally supportive family situation. And that is going to make me so much stronger and make my success so much more sustainable. I am determined to feel amazing. And I know that things that don't make me feel amazing aren't worth it, right? And so I'm capitalizing on every moment that I can practice choosing my goals over choosing the temptation of the moment. All right. So that's kind of the big picture here. And I want to talk about some specific strategies and how I navigate this stuff because there's good parts, there's bad parts, there's hard parts. And I'm happy to share how I'm figuring this out, understanding that every way that I approach it might not be how you choose to approach it. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Obviously, being married is different from dating and being single is different from being married. I've been all of the above in just the last couple of years, and I've had to navigate this for myself. 
Um, and if you have questions that I don't cover in today's episode, please don't hesitate to comment over on the show notes page at primalpotential.com. And I promise to get back to you if you have specific questions about today's episode. And I'm the first one to say that this can be a tricky thing to figure out, but it's all figure outable. Like it is all figure outable. That is a word. It is now. When I, I'll go kind of back a little bit. When I was married, that was when my weight was the highest. And it's also the period where I lost the most weight. I kind of decided enough is enough. I'm changing. And I knew that was my decision. It wasn't my ex-husband's decision for his life. And it wasn't his decision for me. It wasn't a joint decision. And so my choices and my goals were independent of my spouse's, right? And the same thing is true now. My goals are my goals. The guy I'm dating doesn't have to have my goals or my priorities, and he doesn't. So good thing, right? What I eat is about me and how I want to be and feel, right? And I have to acknowledge that there will always be people around me who have different goals or priorities or no goals or priorities when it comes to food. And that's totally okay because it's my journey. It's my race. It's my life. It's my body. It has taken some time and practice to find my groove and my comfort zone. And as far as the dating thing is concerned, I'm still figuring that out um, because it still feels pretty new to me. I want to talk in general about strategies, but I also think there's value in specific examples. And I also recognize the irony of just in the last episode, I talked about how Primal Potential is not the Elizabeth Benton show, and I have no intentions on being the celebrity of the brand. And yet I'm talking about my own specific situations because you guys asked me to. And because I, my hope is that I can spark some ideas for you of where you have room for improvement in your choices or your perspective or both, right? And <laughs> if you make it to the end of this episode, I did ask the current boyfriend for his thoughts on this because we have been out to eat a lot and we have, you know, cooked for each other, et cetera, et cetera. And so he is very familiar with my with my goals and my choices and when I indulge and when I don't and kind of how I make those decisions. So I thought that it would be interesting to get the other person's perspective because he doesn't have the same goals that I have and he doesn't eat the same way um, that I eat. And so sometimes we make a lot of assumptions about what our partner must think like, oh, well, if I don't have dessert, then they're going to feel guilty about having dessert. And so many times those are just assumptions. Or if if they're drinking and I say I'm not drinking, then they feel like they can't drink. And a lot of that is just crap in our heads. So I asked very specifically the guy that I am seeing, can you give me your thoughts on this? Because I'm doing a podcast episode um, and I think he's listened to officially one episode of the podcast, and he probably won't listen to this one, but I will share his thoughts at the end. And it's interesting to me that I decided on this big year of push for myself, right, after the year before was struggling with moving and divorce and thyroid diagnosis and 100 million other things. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to gear up. I'm going to go hard. Like This is my year of push. And then I meet a guy. Go figure, right? However, it all works together. It's actually perfect because that's real life, right? It's not real life that I'm just alone, solo, working on primal potential 100% of the time and I never go out and I have no relationships. That's not real life. So if I went into this year of push really isolating myself, well, what happens when I expand my social scene and I feel like everything gets rocked? I don't want that. So it's all perfect. 
It is a forever skill learning how to live and eat and take care of yourself in all situations. Situations alone, situations in relationships, situations in social situations, you name it. Um, I think it's very important to lead with the fact that changing the way that you eat in any, whether it's a friendship, with a sibling, with a spouse or a partner, it is about you and not about them. It is about you and not about them. Growing up for myself with a mom who was very judgmental about what and how much I ate, I'm super sensitive to that. I know what it feels like to be on the judged side of what you are eating. So I feel very strongly that your goals are your goals and not anybody else's. And if your partner is down for what you are doing and they want to jump on board and do it for them, that's awesome. But it is never our role to expect them to eat differently because we have goals. Like, that's not fair. That doesn't make anybody feel good. And it's just not our business what somebody else eats. And, and this is not an episode about trying to get family members and friends to take better care of their health. I've tackled that before. And I think, you know, the best thing we can do is take great care of ourselves. When I was married, I made the changes I made. And my husband at the time had a choice. He could eat what I was eating or he could prepare something for himself, right? Which is usually what he did. And that was fine. There was no pressure for him to eat the healthier food that I cooked. But at the same time, there was no pressure for me to make two meals to accommodate both of us, right? Granted, we were both working and, you know, there's a million other things we could talk about there. It was helpful at the time, at that time, that we were in the process of getting out of debt. And so we were not going out to eat all that often. But when we did, I made choices that were aligned with my goals, period, the end, no need for explanation, right? I just want to make sure to make the point that I don't think it's fair or realistic to expect other people to change just because you are. That's not real life, and it's none of your business how what how somebody else eats, right? It's very, very individual, and all progress can be made with support and also without support. As I've thought about how my perspective changed when I started dating, because there was definitely that thought of like, oh gosh, I very much control what I eat and when I go out and where I go out to make sure that there are like options that are fat loss friendly and I rarely drink. So how is this going to work with dating? And a lot of what concerned me months ago was what somebody else would think about my choices, right? If they would judge my choices. And here's my biggest takeaway and the biggest lesson I have learned Whatever you do, just don't be dramatic about it, right? Don't be a victim of your choices. Don't be a martyr, right? Let's say that I'm out with my boyfriend and he orders a drink and I don't, which happens often. I don't say, oh, I shouldn't. I really want to, but I shouldn't. I'm trying to be good. Oh, I'm so jealous. That looks so good. I wish that I could just drink like you, Drew, and, and not have it have any negative implications for me. Nobody wants to hear that. Right. Then it becomes this big dramatic thing. I feel bad. He feels bad. And it's just freaking weird. I'm not a victim of my choices. Don't make it a thing. Do not be the, oh man, I love those fries look so good. I'm going to have a salad. Like, don't be dramatic. Leave the drama at home. Right. I know a lot of people 
when they're in a relationship, a new relationship or otherwise, or even when they're out with their friends. They don't want to be that person that's always on a diet or seems to eat like a bird. It's really not about the food choices you make, but it's about the drama and emotion you bring to the situation. If you eat dessert, eat dessert. Don't make it this big thing about, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done that. I feel gross, right? I'm such a pig. I said I wasn't going to have dessert. No drama. No drama. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody feels good about that. And then what you do is not only are you kind of cutting yourself down, which isn't confident or sexy or fun to listen to at all, but it also you're placing judgment on dessert. So now the other person thinks that if they have dessert, you now think that they're a pig, right? I mean, it's just not necessary. So the biggest thing is don't be dramatic about it. It's less about what you choose and more about how you react to it. If you order your salad, order your salad. If you order a, you know, seltzer water with lime instead of tequila, that's great. Just own it. Don't make it this big dramatic thing. And more than anything, don't be a victim of your choices. And if you indulge, don't then go throw in a pity party, right? Another one of my strategies, and again, this is what works for me, doesn't have to work for you. Offer no explanation. I don't need to explain to you why I'm not eating bread. I'm just not going to have any, right? I don't need to explain why I'm not drinking or why I didn't eat the croutons on my salad or why I got my burger without the bun. In any relationship, confidence matters, right? And this includes the relationship with yourself. I feel way better about owning my choice than feeling like I have to apologize for it or explain it away or complain about it. You don't have to explain. Make your choice. Own your choice. Think about it. If the person you're with orders a burger and french fries, do you think they need to explain, well, I worked out this morning, so like the fries are okay? No, you don't want them to have to do that. And you also don't want to hear it because then you feel like you have to kind of act in kind. No, we make our choices. We own our choices and they don't require any explanation, right? And going back to that point about not being a victim of your choices, that's not just verbally expressed. It's also in your head. I feel way better about a choice to get fish and a side salad when I'm thinking about how it's going to make me feel my best and how proud I'm going to be later than I do when I'm like, oh, gosh, I wish I could have the fried calamari or whatever it is, right? It's in your head and it's outside of your head. It's spoken and it's thought. No drama, no drama, no drama. You are not a victim of your choices. <laughs> Ready for a real life scenario? I get questions about this all the time in terms of like turning down food you are offered and feeling like that's impolite. I don't think there's anything not polite about saying no thank you. If somebody ever comes to my house and they say no thank you, I'm not offended right? And I think it just goes back to that point about confidence. Own your choices. You don't need to explain it to anybody and nobody else needs to explain their choices to you. Real life scenario. This has happened a couple of times, actually. I spent a weekend at my boyfriend's parents' house. He doesn't live with his parents, by the way, because <laughs> I know I'll get questions. Spent a weekend there, woke up earlier, drove to Starbucks. No explanation needed for why I was leaving to go to Starbucks. I just was. Came back and was doing some work at the dining room table and his mom was cooking breakfast. Pancakes. Elizabeth, would you like some pancakes? No, thank you. They smell amazing, but I'm all set. It is not impolite to say no thank you. Now, 
Are there people who would feel offended that you don't eat the pancakes? Yeah, maybe. But that's not my problem. I will not choose how I care for my body based on your feelings about food you prepared. That, to me, is crazy. It's crazy. The way I care for my body and mind is not about what pleases you or anybody else. It is about what is best for me. It is not my problem if for seven seconds it ruffles your feathers if I say no. And going back to no explanation needed, just no thank you. They smell really good, though. I'm all set with my coffee. I don't need to go into a dissertation about my goals or carbs at night or intermittent fasting. Just no thank you. Right now, if I said yes. Oh, yeah, you you went to this trouble. It's not like she was just cooking for me. There were other people there. If I said yes and gobbled them up, oh, those were amazing. It's been so long since I've had pancakes. Guess what happens the next time? Guess what happens the next time if that's how I act? Because we teach people how to treat us. Oh, Elizabeth, I made those pancakes you love just for you. <laughs> Retro. I created that situation, right? I didn't in reality, but I could have. We treat people how to teach us. You know what happened the next time I stayed at their house for the weekend? She offered me eggs and sausage. And I said yes. Right? And just to be clear, she didn't offer me eggs and sausage because I'm Elizabeth Benton with Primal Potential. I'm like 99% sure that they have never in their lives heard of Primal Potential because it's not an advertisement. It's not anybody's business, right? How I personally navigate these situations, I'm sharing with you. If it doesn't suit you, that's cool too. But as for me, The way I care for myself and my health is not about somebody else's feelings and opinions. Do you think they're going to be upset about the pancakes in like two hours? No, they'll have forgotten about them. So if for a second it's like, huh, she doesn't want my cooking. Okay, fine. The way I care for myself and my health is not about somebody else's feelings or opinions, right? And once you are consistent with your choices, they do understand. Maybe the first time it's like, oh, Okay, but when you're consistent, they understand. A lot of this is about feeling our best. Whether you're married or you're dating or you're single, life is easier when you feel your best. It does not help me or my relationship to eat too much or drink too much because that really impacts my mood and my emotions and my confidence. It does. My relationship is easier when I feel my best because my mood is better. I feel more confident. I'm up for more adventures. When, however, I'm disappointed in myself and I don't feel comfortable in my skin and I'm beating myself up over some choice, that negatively impacts my life, my health, and absolutely my relationship. So give some intentional thought to what kinds of choices make you feel your best. When it's starting out, a relationship, I mean, whether it's a friendship or a new job or a new person you're dating, that's when it can be easiest because you're setting standards, right? There's no ambiguity about sometimes I drink, but I really try to limit it, and sometimes I don't drink, and it's very, very rare that I overindulge, and that's just the standard and the expectation, and I've set that from the very start without apology, without explanation. It's just how I operate. Just like some people you date might not eat meat. Do you need to know the history of their relationship with meat eating? Like, nah, right? Give some thought to what kind of choices make you feel your best. I feel my best when I limit starch and sugar and alcohol, right? 
The other big part of this, guys, that I think gets overlooked because we focus on the problem and not the solution, the other huge part of it is I don't go out every night, and I don't think most of you go out every night. So if you're going on a date with your spouse or a significant other or you're going out with friends once or twice a week for a few hours, well, what are you doing the rest of the time, right? How are you making choices outside of those moments? There are 168 hours in a week, I think. Don't quote me on that. There are 168-ish hours in a week, and I'm only on a date for maybe, maybe eight to 10 of those hours. That leaves me with 158 hours minimum where the problem or the obstacle or the excuses are out of the picture. So how are you maximizing the pursuit of your goals and optimal self-care the rest of the time? Personally, I really enjoy trying a new cocktail with my boyfriend or splitting dessert. I'm not a purist. I don't have any issue with that. So I intentionally try to make much better choices the rest of the time, the majority of the time, the 95% of the time when I'm not out eating or in a social situation drinking, right? In fact, perfect example, last weekend, I had three cocktails in one evening, which is a lot for me, like a lot, a lot, Um, (laughs) like not driving a lot. Only two of them were worth it. The third was a result of the first two. But I'm strategic about it. Let's use just that day for No, let's use that week as an example. I knew I was going out to dinner with a group in a city with great restaurants on Saturday night, right? So yeah, there were times during the week when I was like, oh, some Halo Top ice cream would be really, really good right now or whatever it is, sweet potato nachos, you name it. Something that would be like, man, not totally aligned with my goals, but not a disaster either. I was tempted to indulge during the week, but I knew I wanted to have a pre-dinner drink solo with the boyfriend, right? So I kept my food choices on point during the week. I kept my workouts on point during the week. The morning of date night, I crushed it at the gym. And though I don't do this every time, I fasted the day date or the day until we got together because I knew it was going to be a food-centric evening, which is a whole other point about not having all dates be food centric. But so I had the cocktails, but the food was super clean, right? I got um, fajitas. We were at a Mexican restaurant uh, and I got chicken instead of steak, just a little bit leaner and lighter. Skipped the rice, skipped the beans, just had meat and veggies, only ate about half of the food that came out. Is that a perfect evening? No, that third drink was not ideal. The second one probably wasn't either. But it's all a learning experience. And I really try to maximize the time when I'm not out there. And, you know, one thing I also do is I'm very clear up front if I'm not going to drink or if I feel like, you know, I maybe I've indulged a little bit more. I haven't worked out as much or my eating hasn't been as clean. Hey, I'm not going to drink tonight. You know, then it's not like, oh, he just ordered a bottle of wine and now it's at the table and I don't want him to have to drink the whole thing alone. And he already I'm just, hey, I'm not going to drink tonight. And I do that very, very often. I'm clear about what I want and what I don't want. And I know situations that might create a challenge for me and I do my best to work around them. One situation I think I shared on the Anchor broadcast was talking about what we wanted for dinner when cooking in. I suggest salmon and cauliflower rice. He suggests sushi. I say, I'll get you sushi, but I'm not, I don't want to have rice tonight. Period. The end. Right. It's not like this big, huge thing about, oh, why not rice? Why? No, I'm going to feel my best if I do salmon and cauliflower rice. If you want sushi, I'll get you sushi. 
It's best for everybody when you feel your best. It's best for everybody when I feel my best. Know what's going to make you feel your best and be confident in your choices. I'm not confident when I'm over-explaining or making excuses or, oh, I'm going to have dessert tonight because, because it's a cheat meal or because I work. Like, no, look, that's drama. Don't attach the story. Make your choice, period, the end, right? I'm also not confident when I'm overeating or drinking too much. And so I stay really mindful of what is going to make me feel my best. And when I make choices that don't make me feel my best, I'm like, all right, how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? How do I make sure this doesn't happen again? Get very clear on what makes you feel your best. You control how you respond to your circumstances and you are not powerless. You are not powerless. No matter what anybody around you is doing, you are not powerless. And one option too, whether we're talking about friends or dating or marriage, make it more about each other and less about food, right? I know that some of my best experiences have nothing to do with food. Or maybe I brought a picnic that was super aligned with my goals and also very delicious. Or we cooked in instead of going out and then we did something fun. Open up the borders of your mind beyond eating out and drinking. There are so many other ways to enjoy your friends, to enjoy someone you love than food. So make it more about each other and less about food. And when it is about food, be intentional about what makes you feel your absolute best. And keep in mind that you do not and should not should not change how somebody else eats. It feels terrible to be on the other end of that. So stay in your own lane. Don't preach, don't judge, but also don't fall into that self-created trap of peer pressure and feeling like you have to do what somebody else is doing because you don't. You just don't. And no matter what decision you make and when and how you feel about it, never give up, right? Never fall into this, oh, why try? I'm done. It's not worth it. Because feeling your absolute best is always possible and it's always worth it. And it is a gradual pursuit. So learn from the great days and, and learn from the crappy days too. They all have a lesson for us in them. And keep making those those positive improvements. Keep paying more attention and asking yourself, how can I make myself feel better about this interaction? How can I make this next experience the best experience? I told you guys we would end with thoughts from said boyfriend. I mentioned to him that I was doing this episode and I shared with him that I think a lot of people worry about offending other people with their choices or worrying about um, what other people might think if they overeat or they undereat or they're picky. I said, you've observed me for a while. Do you have any thoughts to add a different perspective to this podcast? I'm going to read exactly what he texted me. This is what he said. I have never questioned your selection of what you put in your body. If you choose not to eat a certain type of food, that is up to you. You don't try to regulate what I eat, so there is no reason for me to be bothered or offended by your choices. I understand your end goal and know you will do whatever you think is necessary to achieve it. The only person affected by what you eat is my mom, who is devastated that you don't like her cooking even though you've never tried it. Which, by the way, is just a dig. And it's not true. She is not devastated. And I have eaten her cooking. For the record, not that any of them will hear this episode. To wrap up, dating and fat loss strategies. Pay attention to what makes you feel your best. 
optimize what you do outside of date night or night with your friends. Don't apologize or feel the need to explain your choices. Change your perspective about what is polite and impolite because you are not eating to make anybody else feel a certain way, but rather to make yourself feel a certain way. Do not be dramatic. You are not a victim of your choices. It doesn't help to complain about it. Stay away from self-deprecation. It's not sexy. It's not funny. And it's an implied judgment on what other people choose as well. Do not police other people's choices. You are not the food police. And what you choose to do is not about anybody but you. Make dating and time with your friends about connection and not as much about food. Know what is worth it for you and what is not. The bottom line as we wrap up, Surround yourself with people who support your goals, but never lose sight of the fact that no matter who supports you or who doesn't, you are ultimately 100% in control of what you do. And when it feels hard, that is a powerful opportunity for practice. Hope you guys have a great day. I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.